Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Thursday, February 13th. I am Kyle Hillier. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Today, I explain what this thing is and why I hope you will listen. Pokemon Home is out in the wild. The Sonic the Hedgehog movie is actually getting some decent reviews. And there is some surprise Devil May Cry 3 news. This is the very first official episode of this podcast, so you would absolutely be forgiven for asking what this thing is and how it works and who I am and what Ride Home Media is. So I will do my best to answer all those questions and give you an idea of what this podcast will look like moving forward. This is the Gaming Ride Home podcast, and the idea here is this is a show that will be released every weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern and serve as a recap of recent gaming news and gaming industry happenings, and there may even be some video game reviews as I, you know, I want to share and talk about what I am playing as often as possible. It's a catch-up of sorts that will keep you up to date with the industry and what's new without taking up a substantial amount of your time. Ride Home Media was founded about a year ago, and this is the whole idea. It's a network of short-form podcasts to catch you up on industries and topics that you're interested in, like technology with the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast, politics and the election with the Election Ride Home podcast, or celebrity news and gossip with the Celeb News Ride Home podcast. And this one, this is what you're listening to right here, this is the newest show, which focuses on the gaming industry with me, Kyle Hilliard. Who is Kyle Hilliard is a reasonable question, so here's a little bit of background on me. I was a writer for Game Informer magazine for eight years where I did a lot of everything, writing about upcoming games, interviewing developers, writing long-form features, reviewing games, making videos and podcasts about video games, all kinds of stuff. Some of my more notable work while I was there includes uh, I wrote the cover story for The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I personally think is one of the best and most important video games of the last decade. I also traveled to Japan to visit Game Freak and wrote an extensive feature all about the history of the Pokemon series. I did a lot more stuff and spoke with a lot more of my personal video game heroes while at Game Informer, but those are the pieces that I like to point to that will hopefully lend me some credibility and prove to you that I am at least a little bit more than a, you know, like a random guy who converted a basement closet into a little recording booth in his house to make a daily podcast about his favorite hobby, video games. Today, uh, you can find me writing freelance for places like IGN and others, and you can also hear me on The MinMax Show, a long-form podcast about video games that I do with some other former game and former folks if, you know, if this 15-minute podcast just isn't enough of my voice for you. So that's the setup, you know, or preamble for what the show is and the idea behind it moving forward. So... Now, we will get into what the show will typically sound like with segments about recent news that will be separated by this fancy little musical bumper. Pokemon Home is available now. Pokemon Home released yesterday, February 12th, and is now available to download for your Apple or Android devices as well as the Switch. Pokemon Home is a cloud service that lets Pokemon players keep all their pocket monsters in one place and is the way players will be able to trade their captured Pokemon between games. The service is currently compatible with Pokemon Sword, Pokemon Shield, 
Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee, but it is also compatible with Pokemon Bank, a similar multi-game pocket monster collecting cloud service that is available on 3DS and was primarily used with the Pokemon games, starting with X and Y, um, and then moving on to like Sun and Moon and Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, etc., Poke Transporter is also wrapped up in all this and is also compatible with uh, Pokemon Home. Transporter was primarily used with Pokemon Black and White and Pokemon Black and White 2 for the DS. It's honestly all very confusing that there are three different services to transport various generations of Pokemon between games, but I think that the Pokemon company's idea with Pokemon Home is it will pull all those services together into one, hopefully, final service that will let players keep track of the Pokemon they've been catching for the past nine years or so. Pokemon Home is a paid service, and it costs $3 for 30 days, $5 for 90 days, or you can pay $16 a year to essentially store your captured Pokemon on a server. Pokemon Bank and Poke Transporter are also paid services, or at least they, you know, they were paid services, but to commemorate the release of Pokemon Home, those previous services will be available for free between Wednesday, February 12th, and Thursday, March 12th. So those dates are important. If you want to move your past Pokemon around and get them all, you know, moved onto a server, that's your window to do it at a lower cost between February 12th and March 12th. Pokemon Sword and Shield has been subject to controversy since release, with fans being disappointed that the game did not feature the full roster of all 807 Pokemon as past Pokemon games have. Obviously, past Pokemon games didn't have all 800 because there weren't 800 at the time, but like historically, the Pokemon games have had all the Pokemon in them, even if capturing some of the older ones was like kind of strange and opaque and difficult. Uh, despite the outcry from long-term fans, was incredibly successful. It sold 16, or rather, it has sold 16 million copies as of uh, the end of 2019. So that's not even factoring, you know, the January-February window of this year into that number. Two expansions are coming later this year, with the Isle of Armor coming in June, and the Crown of Tundra coming at some point closer to the end of the year. Those expansions will add new wild areas to explore, which are the, you know, the large open areas where Pokemon roamed freely in uh, Sword and Shield. And each expansion will also add new and more than 200 returning Pokemon to the, to the, the larger roster of Sword and Shield. And you don't have to purchase the expansion to acquire those new Pokemon because they can be traded. You can go online and, and, you know, if someone else has captured them, you could trade for those, you know, newly added Pokemon. But if you want to see them walking around so that you can throw Pokeballs at them and fight them, then you will need to buy the expansions, which uh, you can you can actually go ahead and buy them now. You can pre-buy them. It's $30 for both of the expansions. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The Sonic the Hedgehog movie is not out until tomorrow, February 14th, Valentine's Day. But reviews are coming in and they're they're generally pretty positive, which I am surprised about, but I don't know, maybe maybe I shouldn't have been. With 60 reviews logged, the movie currently sits at 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. If it maintains that score, it could beat Detective Pikachu's 69% Rotten Tomato score, but it will have to bump up a bit to beat Angry Birds uh, 2's 73% Rotten Tomato score, which is currently the highest for any video game movie. And like, as an aside, like, Maybe even deserved. I, I mean, Angry Birds 2 movie is not amazing by any means, but I laughed. There were some funny bits in it. I, I enjoyed it. I liked it more than I thought I would. A lot of critics are talking about uh, Jim Carrey's performance as being particularly fun and feeling closer to like his old animated performances. But then I read um, David Sims's review for The Atlantic. I'm a fan of uh, Sims's writing, and also I'm a big fan of uh, the Blank Check podcast, which which he co-hosts, which is why I'm singling him out. Uh, But he says the film is just sort of forgettable, which is maybe a compliment considering the alternative could have been you know, this like awful adaptation that is remembered for all the wrong reasons, like the Super Mario Brothers movie, but which, you know, I, separately from that, I, I've always kind of liked just how absolutely weird the Mario Brothers movie is. You know, they really they really tried something there. It didn't really work, but they really tried something with the Mario Brothers movie. Critics have also been complimentary of Ben Schwartz's uh, work voicing Sonic. I've always been a fan of Ben Schwartz predominantly because of his appearances on the uh, Comedy Bang Bang podcast. There was uh, one episode where he made a very quick Final Fantasy VI joke. And I don't think that any of the other improvisers caught it or would have even known what he was talking about. But it always made me a little optimistic about the Sonic movie, knowing you know that he likes video games that, or at least understands them. I mean, he played Final Fantasy VI. Of course, the first trailer for the movie showed a version of Sonic that was like universally reviled. I'll always remember showing it to my daughter, who's not a fan of the Sonic games, but uh, she likes Sonic the character. And when I showed her the trailer, the second Sonic showed up on screen, she let out an audible gasp of disgust. And she had no idea that the larger internet felt exactly the same way. Um, And so like once all that happened and people were really upset about the way Sonic looked, they delayed the film and radically adjusted Sonic's design to make him look closer to the Sonic we all recognize. And despite it undoubtedly being a technically difficult process, I mean, I, I think maybe the movie was improved as a result if their reviews are any indication. Unfortunately, uh, this, there was a, there's a Canadian news site, CBC, and it reported back in December that one of the studios behind the Sonic the Hedgehog animation overhaul, Moving Picture Company, had to shut down its Vancouver branch due to, quote, external market pressures. The larger company is still active with plenty of 2020 and 2021 projects in the works like with companies like Disney, and it's unclear how involved that particular branch was directly involved in the Sonic special effects and its redesign, but it's I mean it's still a huge bummer to see that studio uh get shut down. Uh so, you know, good luck to everyone out there who was affected by that. 
And speaking of video games, movies, I guess this is like the video game movie segments. Uh, Dragon Quest Your Story is available to watch right now on Netflix in the U.S. The movie is apparently based on Dragon Quest V, and it has been dubbed in English if you want to avoid subtitles, but it seems like it didn't do particularly well critically or commercially in Japan, so I guess we'll just have to watch it on Netflix and judge for ourselves. I, I think it looks kind of cool. It's all CGI animated. Um so I'm, I'm eager to check it out. I'm not even a big Dragon Quest guy. So we'll see. Devil May Cry 3's re-release on Switch is getting a co-op mode. Devil May Cry 3 is coming to Switch on February 20th, and it is coming with some bonuses, uh, specifically co-op. In Bloody Palace mode, a mode that has always been in Devil May Cry, including 3, you'll be able to make your way through the uh, Bloody Palace, and as you, you know, move through levels, you you fight more and increasingly difficult enemies. But in the Switch re-release, you'll be able to play a co-op as either Dante or his brother Virgil, which uh, is an unexpected but very cool thing. Hey everybody, it's me again, Matt Walker. Well, we're excited to reveal our third and final addition to Devil May Cry 3 SE on Nintendo Switch. Drumroll, please! Bloody Palace now has local co-op. So now you'll be able to play as Dante and Virgil, two players. It's kind of like if you've played Devil May Cry 3 SE before, in the doppelganger style, there was kind of a hidden Easter egg where you could actually pick up a second controller and play as basically two-player. Now, in this one, it's not a doppelganger. It's actually Dante and Virgil separately. And you'll be able to use any kind of different combination of single Joy-Cons or double Joy-Cons or Pro-Cons. Fun little tidbit. In Japanese, we actually call this osusowake. That's what it means when you take the two Joy-Cons and you share the Joy-Con with a friend. You're going to be able to access this after playing the intro mission of the game. And then what you'll do is you'll be able to select co-op, Bloody Palace co-op, and you'll be able to select different save data for Dante and Virgil. And you're also going to be able to have different uh, controller customization options for each controller setup for each player. That's going to be it. Remember, Devil May Cry 3 SE is releasing on February 20th. So this is kind of an experimental idea for this show, but I want to try and talk about what games are out on the day of the podcast going live. So days like Tuesday and Friday will probably be a little more packed than a day like Thursday, but uh, here we go. Florence is out today on Switch and PC, which is not a new release. Florence released almost exactly two years ago today for iOS, and it's a charming little mobile game that I like a lot. It basically tells the story of a woman named Florence as she lives life and deals with romantic and professional issues. And it's a story told with thematic little minigames and, and a great art style. If I remember correctly, I don't think it has any dialogue. It's a short experience that can be completed in one sitting, but it's, uh, it's interesting, and I'm happy to see it come to new platforms. Luna the Shadow Dust is also out today on PC, which is a point-and-click adventure game with a cool art style, uh, which, I mean, moving forward, that's probably something you will hear me say often about indie games because they they almost always have a cool art style. It's, it's not one that I've played myself, but it, it, it looks cute. As far as what I'm playing right now, I'm really into this Switch game called Kunai, which came out on February 6th. It came out for PC as well as Switch. I'm playing it on Switch, and it's a Metroid-inspired game where you play as an, uh, an expressive little computer monitor with a sword. It's not 
it's not hugely innovative. I mean, like Metroid inspired games in that in the indie scene are, are very popular, but I really like that Metroid style of game and the movement and combat feels so good. And you have a pair of kunai, which is like these uh, roped uh, metal spikes that you can throw out uh, and you can use it to climb walls and swing from the ceiling. I unlocked double jump last night, which, you know, if you know anything about Metroid inspired games, then you know that that's like that's when the game gets really serious, and uh, I'm really I'm digging it. I also wanted to note that Iconoclasts is on sale right now for Switch. It's ten bucks, and that is a good game that I like a lot. And I always, whenever it goes on sale, I always sort of I'll tweet like, "Hey, go check out this game. It's good." That is it for the first official episode of the Gaming Ride Home podcast. There is a secret sample episode i recorded when i was in talks to potentially do this but you will never hear that one plus i didn't have uh, fancy mics or my impressive closet basement recording booth so uh you know it didn't sound that great so you don't want to hear it anyway please 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 let me know what you think of all this i want this thing to evolve and change as the show moves forward and i want to make sure i'm covering the things that you want to learn about is saying what games came out today helpful Should I always share the price of these games I'm talking about? Do you want to know about game sales? Please give me all your feedback and corrections. I also want corrections. If I am incorrect about something, please, you know, politely let me know. The more polite you are, the more likely I am to profusely thank you and give you a shout out. I also want to read your emails and questions and answer them potentially here on the the podcast. So send those to me too. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Kyle M. Hilliard, and my DMs are open. Uh, so you can send me a message there, or you can send me an email at kyle at ridehome.info. Thanks to Brian McCullough and James Welsh for everything related to the show, and thanks to Joel Moore, who made all the music for the Gaming Ride Home podcast. I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow.